We're going to have the flower offering. We're so glad that Master has arrived. Thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you so much. What is that? <laughs> A secret? Peanuts. Ah, oh, thank you so much. Make me strong, huh? <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And now the fruit offering? Oh, something more? Can I, do? I think I had enough oh, over there. So. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> now I'd like to introduce Steve Gorad, who will introduce Master Ching Hai. Oh, here come the handsome guy. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I have a funny history with, uh, with uh, talking to uh, groups that have come to see Master Ching Hai. The um, um, first time was in uh, Stanton, California, and uh, the disciples, we talked among ourselves to decide who was going to talk. And I had never given a talk, and everyone decided it was my turn. <laughs> and uh, I, well, I said okay. But I, I, there was something that I couldn't think of what to say. I, I, I'm a very mental person, and I thought of this thing, I thought of that thing, and uh, I tried to work, I tried to work on it, and what happens is that when I'm around Master Ching Hai, my mind disappears. <laughs> so I, I was left there and we were trying to set up the hall because we had uh, given a uh, vegetarian meal to people before the talk. Actually, Master Ching Hai doesn't know this story. <laughs> I didn't know. Uh, and. Uh, uh, people like you are were waiting for her to come, and uh, some people were getting a little anxious. Anxious, they had finished their meal, and uh, you know where was the speaker? And and um, I think one of the nuns said, "Steve, Steve, you you have to start talking." And I'm going, "Oh, but oh, okay." And just at that moment, um, Master's van arrived. And uh, so just like here, you know, everything stopped and Master came in and she sat down. And I'm standing there and I'm ready to start my speech and Master starts talking. <laughs> and I didn't get a chance to say a word. <laughs> and I was very relieved. <laughs> so, but you realize that in my mind I had prepared a lot of, uh, you know, I prepared what I was going to say. So that sort of stored somewhere in me. And uh, I think it was uh, maybe a few years later, I was at uh, the United Nations uh, when Master was going to give a lecture. And uh, I had a, a really bad sore throat, and uh, uh, but I did notice I did wear my suit and tie, so maybe my inner Master knew what was going to happen, but I didn't. And uh, I was just sitting in the audience, and uh, the uh, speaker before didn't give... See, one of the things that happens is that Master is um, 
sort of feeling the energy in here and tuning in with you. And she needs someone to talk and give her some, some time to be uh, in your presence. And uh, the speaker before me didn't talk long enough, so they said, Steve, talk. And I went, oh no, <laughs> I wasn't prepared. And I got up and I talked. And it was a lot of fun. And it was easy because a lot of the things I had already thought about uh, before the uh, Stanton lecture. So here we go again. I got a call, 6 o'clock this morning, that I'm going to talk. I had no idea before that that I was going to talk. There were four or five people here from Boulder, Denver area. I thought it would be covered. So here I, I don't even know what I'm saying, to tell you the truth. Um, I'm supposed to talk about Master's um, life story, but you know what? There's a booklet, <laughs> and it's for free. Actually, I think I even wrote the story in the booklet. And uh, by the way, everything here is free. I don't know if you noticed, uh, the booklet's free. The books and tapes, we have to charge cost. But the lecture's free, and so is the initiation, um, and so will be the food, I believe. Uh, anyway, there's a booklet, and the story's in the booklet, and, uh, you know, she's here. She's, it seems irrelevant to talk about her past, because we're all right here, right now. And if I've talked long enough, I'm going to just <laughs> introduce Master Ching Hai. Oh, hi. <laughs> How's everyone? Still recognize me from last time? Is anyone from last time? Please raise your hand. Oh, fine. So I don't have to start from scratch, no? <laughs> Is it still very early for you? No. You don't work today? Oh, fine. And I have to work. <laughs> I had a lot of inspiration about what God is and how to better our world and how to better ourselves and how to be in Samadhi, etc. But I lose them all when I came to Colorado. <laughs> I guess because Colorado people are very spiritual and the the environment here, it looks like Himalaya. <laughs> so I thought all of you are yogis. Yes. <laughs> so you don't need to prove that to me by any funny gesture, okay? <laughs> or mudras or anything. <laughs> this is one of the places that I might consider to stay <laughs> and make myself at home. <laughs> consider only. Uh, consider. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, I have many other people who consider that I should stay at their hometown. <laughs> and I can never win because I'm alone, and there are so many people. <laughs> but today, maybe I would like to take some of your time to introduce you to our real hometown, or maybe invite you 
to have a look at it. <laughs> Many people believe that God creates only goodness, and then other people believe that God creates also evil, <laughs> because they say everything comes from God. Uh, what do you agree? The first one or the second? Huh? The first one, right? Then where do evil come from? Huh? Image? A human? Oh, so you are very enlightened indeed. <laughs> you see, this, this place, which is called our world, is not the original, uh, how to say, uh, original plan of the universe. <laughs> And it has become this and that and others with all kind of suffering and all kind of undesirable situation because of the byproducts of human and other beings in the relationship. If evils has truly existed, then it couldn't have been changing from one time up from one place up to another from one country to the other, or from one period of time to the other. As you see, in the old time, we do not have guns and we do not have atom bombs and all kind of these things, which could destroy mankind in no time. So, actually, the evils that exist in this world is not God-made. It's not already there. Therefore, it changes from time to time and from different countries. Why do we uh, say about this? Because we must realize that if evil is man-made, man-made, then man can also stop it or avoid it. Instead of blaming God all the time or waiting in a corner of the church, forgot to descend and do something about it. For example, between I and Mr. Smith, whoever that might be, we never met each other and nothing happened between us. And suddenly, someday, Mr. Smith come to see me, or I came to see him. Suppose we are both very ignorant, and then we both wanted to do something. We both wanted to arrive at a position which is very lucrative and profitable and uh, famous and all that for ourselves. And then both of us in competition about that object. And then if one of us wins, <laughs> of course the other will feel very frustrated. And if he's a bad-tempered man, he might try to revenge in some kind or make trouble for me. And therefore, in this process, we breed another kind of atmosphere between us and apart from us. Originally, both of us has no hatred, and then now we have hatred. And that hatred is the third energy, which is born from both of our energy. So you see, this is not necessary. It wasn't there in the first place. If we come to think about it like that, 
We couldn't blame God for anything that is unfortunate in this world. Most of people think God has made everything, including evil. I used to think that way, but I think uh, I'm getting older and, you know, I have more sympathy for the old man. <laughs> you get more understanding, you know, for old people as you grow older. <laughs> yes, it's just like uh, you and your wife or husband. Normally, both of you have no children, but then you got together, and then the third kind <laughs> were born. That is your children. And your children may be exactly like you in character, in intelligence, and in ambition or virtues, but they might not be. And they might cause you a lot of trouble and headaches. So these are not your making, not entirely. Maybe some of it are your making. But if you're, you are very virtuous parents and very ex exemplary, and your children are the opposite, then it is not your making. Similarly, our world has become uh, sometimes intolerable. It is our own making. So now, in order to uh, improve this or repair the world or the house, the big house that we live in with so many rooms, which are the nations, then we should know that evils are avoidable. Evil is avoided by doing good, by uh, I would say, keeping the commandment by loving thy neighbors. But because our mind is so used to with an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, <laughs> it is difficult to do what we think we ought to do, or to treat others in a very loving, uh, kind way. Therefore, we need a stronger force to help us, to pull us out of our habitual thinkings and actions. That is why enlightenment is necessary. It's just like a woman who is already very beautiful. And if she dresses herself up and wearing a little bit more jewelry and learning to walk in a graceful way, then her beauty is more enhanced. Is that a correct English word? Yeah, thank you. If I'm wrong, please correct. Yes. <laughs> Everything in this world is actually also good for us, even evil. Evils are our mistake, fine. But then we don't have to stay in the mistakes forever. At least the mistakes is a kind of a shock. When we receive the effect of our mistake, we will be shocked into realize, realizing that uh, this is a, not a proper thing to do. Yes, and it causes us misery and unhappiness. Therefore, we turn around. And even all things in this world, which are beautiful, enjoyable, are a reminding us of our true happiness within or in our true home. 
Therefore, it's not a sin to enjoy the things that God created for us. But if we always feel very attached to these things, and God will remind us that this is not proper, and therefore we will uh, sometimes experience unhappiness or misery from the things that we uh, cherish most. It is wrong to deny the word, but it is not right to sink deep into the word all the time, because we miss the better half of life, which is spirit, which is more enjoyable than anything in this world could afford. Everything in this world is just a reminder of the true happiness, the true glory, and the true life that we should have and that we should know because we have forgotten. Many people ask me uh, about kind of uh, woman and men relationship and sexual pleasure and that, whether uh, it is sinful. I say it is not, it is not. But you should know that there are much more pleasure than that. And for example, sexual pleasure is only a copy of a true pleasure when you are in union with yourself. When, you, the, when the both force within you, the feminine and masculine aspect within yourself, are united. And the un union between man and woman are just a duplicate of that one. So actually, God sent us into this world not without any, uh, how say, not any, without any instrument to remind us of the kingdom of God. It is just that we have forgotten that these are the reminder only, and we just uh, love the copy and forget the original. And that's what makes our life miserable. And even then, we couldn't enjoy the copy completely. Therefore, many of the men and women relationship even are rocky. And the sexual relationship between you are not that holy, not that motor, uh, how to say, uh, respecting, but is a kind of sometimes of abusing and just frustration, frustration relief a kind of uh, instrument. Therefore, if we truly want to enjoy this life even, we should enjoy the true life, which is a hundred thousand times better than the life that we know on earth. And by knowing that life, we can also enjoy this life. Just like one of our friends just expressed her opinion, that after initiation or enlightenment, she enjoy life also. She will feel whatever is there in very intensive awareness. And when you're happy, you're truly happy, and you have no reservation for your laughter. You're not constrained and not feeling ashamed for laughing very loud, very heartily with your friends or even alone. And when you feel sorrow, you truly can weep. 
you whip all of your emotion out, and then you get released. Not that after enlightenment we became like wood or stone and has no feeling whatsoever. Some people keep asking me uh, whether I fall in love sometimes. <laughs> Are you interested, by the way? No, huh? If not, I don't talk about that. This is just private. <laughs> Are you interested? Uh, okay, okay. I thought it's too too personal. <laughs> you you come here to to talk about Buddhahood and God and all that, <laughs> and here I bring things <laughs> which is sound very mundane. Yeah, never mind. You see, and I say yes. <laughs> yeah, off and on, <laughs> now and again. Or maybe I don't know if that is falling in love or not. Yeah, when I see the person, probably I like it, and then after he's gone, goodbye. Is that in love or not? Steve, you have more experience. <laughs> Is that falling in love, Steve? Yes? Really? Okay. But not in Colorado, though. I, I haven't... <laughs> okay. So probably, but before that, before uh, enlightenment, I, I don't know this kind of feeling. You understand? I never miss anyone. I don't love anyone. I don't care about anyone. And I do not enjoy, I did not enjoy the, the, the friendship with people. I was a very lonely child, very quiet. I did not feel lonely though. I am just a very alone person until now, until I have been forced into this job. <laughs> I have been a very quiet person. I cannot talk. I mean, I don't speak. I don't make friends. I enjoy my, myself. I feel I need nothing. And you know what it's like in, uh, in our society? You work and then uh, one month, a year, you have vacation, right? Even if you don't want to, you have to. <laughs> it's a law. <laughs> so when I was, uh, I was alone there, I wasn't married then. And then uh, this forced one month vacation is the time I had trouble. I don't know what to do <laughs> because I have no friends and there's nowhere I wished to go. But you had to go because if you don't come back with a ten, you know, people will not <laughs> you know, respect you that much. So you come, you spend all your money and go to Costa Brava or whatever and lay in there, beg yourself <laughs> to death. <laughs> spend all your time in the sun and get burned, get pure, get scored, and do whatever you can with the cream and all that <laughs> to comfort yourself, and then go home and show people, here I am. <laughs> yeah, for Costa Brava, Costa Bomb, <laughs> cost a lot of money. <laughs> yes. So that's the kind of life that I had. Probably some of you experienced the same up to now. And then, after I became, you know, the, how to say, the main role in this office, I became more talkative. I changed. I became an entirely different person. That if you know me before, uh, maybe uh, five, six, 
Seven years ago, you wouldn't recognize me now. Uh, when I was married, and uh, my husband had a lot of friends, you know, from his uh, medical doctor circles, and they talk a lot to him about many things. And also they talk on phone a lot. But I hardly can speak anything to him. And sometimes I stand around and feel very envious about the, with these friends. I said, geez, if I could just talk, you know, <laughs> uh, half, of, half of the time like them, I would feel already very good. You know, I feel a little bit inadequate because I couldn't speak. I mean, I'm not a talkative person. I'm always quiet, do my job, and have feelings, but not, nothing more. And uh, even the love for my husband, I didn't know it was that a love or not, you know? Well, I miss him when he's away, and I'm happy when he's around. But that's it, that's just about it, you know? It's not very kind of passionate thing that you read about in the novel, romance, and uh, watch movies, a thing like that. I thought, oh, look like I'm not the person in this world, <laughs> I don't belong here. But after enlightenment, you feel that your feelings and your emotion and your affection and your everything is very sharp. You know, you realize more that you are truly living beings. Many people fear that maybe after enlightenment they will shave their head and yeah, cast off their beautiful clothes and go into the Himalaya or find a cave in Colorado somewhere. But it is not true, it's not true. Maybe you do that in the beginning because you're too fanatic, <laughs> too eager, too eager to know God and forgetting all the while that He is always here because you are God. You are the representative of this God power and we are all connected together in this marvelous network. And should we forget that, we will be very lonely. Deep in our heart, we never be satisfied. It doesn't matter how many friends we have and how much money uh, we earn or how busy we are. Many of the moments of our life will be in loneliness, in, in dissatisfaction. We just don't know what is it that is lacking in our life but we do feel something missing. That is because we have forgotten to tune in with this network which connects us as the whole with the whole universe. And therefore, whatever we do, we do alone. We work alone and we feel great burden on our shoulders. That's why Emerson says, a great burden falls, upon our sh uh, falls from our shoulders when we let God run the universe. To let God run the universe doesn't mean we sit there and waiting for bread to fall from the sky. It means that we work together with the whole universe. And whatever we do, it will be blessed, watched over, and helped by the whole power. Therefore, we will be a great being. And everything within us, including so-called human emotion, will be very alert. 
we feel for the first time in our life that we are truly alive, that we truly enjoy everything that God gives us in this life, not the denial of the world, not truly, not like that. I don't think an enlightened person is so negative in his attitude because I feel and I see and I know that my fellow initiates people, you can call them disciples, as your word, yeah. They are very alive, they're very alert, and they're happy. They know that life is all right. Not that all of them are very seldom that they want to run away from life, maybe in the beginning, because before I used to wear nun's clothes and look very serious, you know. So people think to be serious and become a monk is the end to all means of Buddhahood. After I realized that, I changed, <laughs> okay, because that's a wrong conception. It's okay, I wear the clothes if I want to, I wear nun clothes if I want to, but that is not the leading motive of enlightenment. Then it's not the uh, uh, condition for enlightenment. Enlightened people are very, uh, and they're very happy, and they accept the situations, whatever it is. And I have a, a very positive knowledge that if all people are enlightened, then we don't need to change the world at all. We don't need to make Indian become rich. We don't need to change, uh, uh, how to say, uh, communism into capitalism, because everyone will be contented under whichever circumstance they are in. And we don't have to change anything. We don't need to even vote for new presidents every four years. And Mr. Clinton can stay there forever. <laughs> whether he is good or not, because we are good. That is important, you see. One president, however good, cannot do much, but the whole nation is strong when people in that nation are all together at one moment because of the connected network. And the whole world are all together in unison because they're all connected, connected with that network. And then the president cannot help himself but to be good. Uh, he has to behave, right? <laughs> I don't mean Mr. Clinton. Please don't tell him. <laughs> he might not give me a visa next time. <laughs> so the problem in this world is not to bl be blamed on polit politicians, not to be blamed on the economical system of any country or any ism of any nation, but to be blamed on the ignorance of ourselves, nature, that we do not know how great we are, that we do not know that we are the uh, contentment incarnate, that we do not know that we are love personified. Therefore, enlightenment is a cure for all illnesses for all worldly problems, for all wars, and is one and for all finished. And as long as our 
All of us are enlightened. The world will never come to an end. Everybody predicts about the end of the world. I mean, not every, everybody worry about it. Some people predict and <laughs> make many people worry. But even if the world comes to an end, the enlightened people would never feel bothered because they know this world comes and then it will go one day. But the life eternal always goes on and that nothing can affect it. Life eternal is what we are. Wisdom is what we possess. Love is what our nature is. And that cannot be destroyed with any bomb at all. It cannot be limited by space and time. Therefore, the masters initiate disciples without the limitation of the space and time. The master don't have to always be uh, where the disciples are, but can help the disciples and bless them. And the disciples will grow into mastership and also can do the same. So for whatever I do, you can do also. That's what Jesus said to us. But can we do it? Can we do what Jesus did? No, not yet, because we do not learn what he learned. We do not tune into the kingdom of God. We have forgotten our Father, who is perfect. Therefore, we live in imperfection. Now, to correct this is very easy. <laughs> yes? If we want to go northward, then, then we have to face north and continue, begin and continue to walk or to uh, go northward. But if we want to go south, then of course we have to turn back and face south and begin to go there. It's very simple. Therefore, every day we face the world. We walk toward the world. We think toward the world. We immerge ourselves in the world. Our, all our attention, energy, emotion, best talent face the world. Therefore, we don't face God. Now, it's very simple. <laughs> Turn around. I'll show you how <laughs> the initiation, and there you are. Very simple. Mm -hmm. But the, the, you will ask me the question is that if you face God, then how can you? Then you have to turn your back to the world. It is not so in the kingdom of God. Because actually, if there is no kingdom of God, then there is no this world. Not this world. This world is only a copy of the real thing, of the real life. Therefore, you do not have to forsake the world in order to know the real. But you have to know that the, the world came from the real by realizing the real. Just like you get to know a beautiful lady instead of chasing after her shadow. Then you have both. If you want the shadow that much, you can include because the shadow comes from this beautiful lady. It's no good always clinging to the shadow and not knowing the real. But since we know the real, the shadow also belongs to us. Yes. Since ancient times, we have always heard many stories about how fantastic a master is, and uh, just like Jesus, yeah, Jesus. 
He is great, fantastic. He can do many things, and we admire him. But he should not be the only one in this position, because it is said in the Bible that know you not that you are the temple of God and the Holy Spirit dwells within you. We house God. You understand that? We house the Almighty within ourselves. And here we are, having nothing of this Almighty glory. It is because we face the other way. We face the shadow. We chase after the shadow and try to correct the shadow to suit our taste, that the legs was too long, the head was too flat, or the ears too pointed. It was because of the light which projected the, the real and make it become a shadow. And if we chase that all the time and trying to make it different, of course we make trouble for ourselves, we exhaust it, our, our energy, and we achieve nothing. We might be able to adjust a little bit here, a little bit there, but this is only a shadow, right? Tomorrow it will become, <laughs> uh, uh, ear, the ear will be pointed again. Therefore, in order to truly enjoy it, we have to correct the real, we have to know the real one and adjust accordingly. If you know the beautiful girl standing where, where she stands, then you can even make the shadow become more beautiful, if you wish, if you wish. <laughs> See, you can make the light behind her uh, going a little bit above or, or, or under, and then her shadow will become very much like the real person. Or do some uh, technique to adjust the shadow. But if we do not know the real and trying to adjust the shadow from the shadow self, then we always have problem. That is the problem with the world. That's why our world always in trouble, because we try to correct the shadow and not the real object. And so many heroes have come and go, so many great kings, have, have uh, how say, reigned the world. But the world is still the way it is. If you have fixed some problem here, other problems will breed itself elsewhere. If you have enough medical care for the people, now you have incurable disease, like AIDS, for example, troublesome. And so we never come to an end without problem if we always try to fix the world. I have known one person. He's very much interested in our teaching and wanted initiation in that. But he told me that he would like to stay in the world, to remain the worldly, as worldly people in order to understand their problem and in order to help them. Many of the heroes of our history have thought the same thing. And the world has not become a paradise. Even though we have a lot of um, better uh, equipments, more civilized society, but then we have other, more troublesome problems. So, you see, 
our brothers and sisters what the conclusion should be. It's not that after enlightenment we forsake our political career. Understand? Or leave Mr. Clinton alone, alone in White House <laughs> and all the ads will go out because they're all enlightened. But we stay there and we do better job because we know how to adjust the shadow now. Or we don't bother at all to adjust the shadow anymore. Whatever the shadow may be, fine. Because we know it's not important. We may feel amazed at the shadow uh, of it changing shape and size and color of different time of the day. We might watch it with uh, amazement, but we no longer chase after that and we no, no longer put uh, great importance upon this shadow. That's why everyone should be enlightened and the world is in peace, at peace. No other thing needs to be done. I don't know if you agree. Yes or no? <laughs> I tell you from example, not sheer talk. See, for example, uh, now you look at me, I'm wearing beautiful clothes, yeah? Yeah. Actually, we design ourselves. I design myself and uh, I have a seamstress, which are monks and nuns together. I mean, we are the, the, those who live together and uh, do not have family ties in that. So we work everything together without wanting any wages or any position, anyhow. So now it's very inexpensive, anyhow, but it looks beautiful, right? So now I'm happy because I'm beautiful, fine. But when I'm alone, <laughs> But when I'm alone and I have not to see you in such a great event, an important uh, greeting like this, then I just wear whatever it is, right? A very old clothes, very comfortable, and old shoes, flat, and uh, I don't even care to wash it very carefully because I would just pitch my tent next to the river. I put the, my clothes in the bucket and some soap in it, river water, and then I use my feet to stamp on it. <laughs> and while I clean my teeth at the same time, <laughs> yeah, and I use my feet to just, uh, you know, walking on the, on the bucket, walking on the clothes after a while, and then I let it be in the sun for a while, and then after I clean my teeth, or I bath and I swim, and then I just uh, shake it loose, yeah, and get the river water to clean it, and then I throw them on the rocks, and after some time, they are dry. And that's a life of beautiful enjoyment that I, I most uh, cherish. But nevertheless, when I go out, I stay in sometimes hotel, I sometimes stay in a very beautiful mansion, which uh, some of the disciples lend us for a few days. And I also enjoy that, you see? I also enjoy the... Uh, freshly cut lawn and the beauty of the flowers that you plant around your gardens and, and every uh, so-called luxurious thing that you have. I enjoy, yes. Therefore, enlightenment affords us the enjoyment, not the situation. So I enjoy in both cases. I do not deny luxury and I do not cling to asceticism.
because both has its beauty. Whatever it is there, you accept it. And that is the simple life. Some people ask me, simple life means going to the forest and live in caves and eating weeds and all that. I said, no, no, no. Simple life means you stay where you are, enjoy whatever you have. If you are rich, you enjoy your rich life and share whatever left over uh, too much with other people. If you are poor, enjoy your simple life and uh, be happy that you don't have to worry about thieves. <laughs> and that is simple living, you see, simple living. Uh, stay where you are, enjoy what you have. That is, in my, <laughs> in my thinking, a simple living. Do you think that's all right? Because if we try to change our life, it makes it not simple, <laughs> right? You are so used to with clean bathroom and all that, and now you have to punish yourself and adjust yourself to um, uh, a kind of uh, outside open toilet, and it freezes in the winter. And maybe you are not used to with the cold, you get cold and you got sick. And then is that simple? No. Then you have to be administered in the hospital and all the needles in your tongue, in your knees, and wherever necessary. And that looks very complicated indeed, at least from the outside. Therefore, simple living means you're comfortable where you are. But of course, there's something we adjust, you see, to life. Hmm? For example, if we meditate a lot, then uh, we cannot afford to eat meat too much because that excites our energy, stimulates the passion, and we would like to sit still in order to know our own treasure and wisdom. Therefore, if we do not follow a simple diet, then it will have some side effect. Therefore, people, some people meditate at random and do not uh, adhere to the uh, vegetarian diet. They came into a kind of a disturbance, you see. Many people have a mental derangement. It is because of uh, uh, violation, the law of nature. The law of nature teaches us to be vegetarian. You know all of this. And I think in the sample booklet that you were given, it's already proved scientifically that we humans are vegetarian species because our teeth and our intestine, is that right? Yeah, okay, are made for vegetarian uh, beings. Yes, and the meat eaters' beings are different in, uh, how say, uh, body construction and uh, the inner organs and the digestive system are all different. Anyhow, I will long about enlightenment and short about diet. Because <laughs> in case you are allergic to vegetarian diet, I won't mention anymore. <laughs> but be enlightened anyhow, by all means, and by whatever you can afford in your environment and in your mental state of preparation. There are many ways to enlightenment. But there are best way, quickest way, or longest way, yeah, safer way, or a little bit risky way.
Just like you climb the mountain, there are many roads, but some roads are even, and some roads are more rocky, and some roads are dangerous. So I have found that the uh, the Guanyin method, the method of observing obser- observing the inner world, the inner sound, and the inner heavenly light, is the best. And it's the ultimate, because ultimately we have to arrive to the light of God and to the Word of God in order to get the wisdom. All other roads are leading you to that state that you could hear the sound of God and could see the light. All other methods are having uh, this same goal. But we are right here, the teaching directly, and you immediately experience the enlightenment uh, taste, you see, immediately. So you get the light and the sound right away at the time of initiation. And the way by other methods, you have take a long time, or many years, or many uh, ascetic kind of uh, sacrifice in order to arrive there. Therefore, actually, this is not a method. It's just a fruit and a meal already prepared for you, hunger guests. The other, maybe they are not hungry, so they try to mess around with their food (laughs) or cooking all the time and not eating it. (laughs) Many of our people who stay permanently in many of our centers around the world, their life is very simple, but they are very happy. Our life is so simple that when compared to the most simple uh, lifestyle in other countries, there seems pale. <laughs> the other day we were speaking with some of the uh, uh, people who work with the government in Vietnam. They are not uh, governmental, of- governmental officers, they're just working in a business-wise, and so we had a chance to talk about this. And then uh, I say, actually, the Vietnamese people in Vietnam, having a, if they are enlightened, they, they wouldn't feel so troublesome about communism even. Because um, we, I said, because actually I'm a true communist, <laughs> if it comes to that. Because whatever I earn, I share it all with people. Communists mean you have everything not for yourself, but for the community, you see? You live in a community. Therefore, I, actually, I don't talk communism, but the communists should give me a best, um, I'll say, medal? Medal for it. Yeah, because I live what they preach. <laughs> I live intent, I live simple life, I don't earn money for myself. All the money are run around the world for the sake of my disciples, for the enlightenment of others, and for the poor and needy. And even my clothes are designed for myself, so it's cheaper. <laughs> Therefore, it's not, <laughs> it's not what we should have in life, but or to what degree we are contented with life. If we are contented, under any circumstance, we are right. To tell you honestly, I have no better life than any of the people who live in the communist system. For example, from, uh, from uh, um, 
36 or 40 hours up to now, I had only one meal, and that wasn't much. There was only a one, maybe a, a half a bowl or one bowl of rice, it's a few tofu and a few vegetables. That's all there is. And I'm working so <laughs> very, you can't not say it's not hard. It's hard work because we run from one place after another. And we're always packing and unpacking and talking to hundreds, thousands of people all the time. I, I never rest with my voice, very seldom. And in the evening, I tell you my schedule. For example, yesterday. Yesterday, the night before, I was in Seattle, yeah, talking to thousands. And after that, talking to the disciples and non-disciples, etc. And then after, uh, I did not go to bed until about 5 o'clock in the morning. And before that, and I meditate for a while and then sleep a little bit and get up again at... Uh, at nine or something, get ready to go for the airplane. And then at the airport, I have to speak to hundreds of people and make them happy, right? And then went to the airport. What are you laughing at? Is it not true? <laughs> Is it true? Yes. Because if not, they're not happy. And then uh, in the airplane, I had, uh, I had to talk again to the neighbor because <laughs> he would ask me where I come from, what I do, and all that. Fine. I enjoy also. And then I had a little rest, maybe uh, 10 minutes. And then again, came down to the airport and hundreds of people was already there waiting for me to talk again. <laughs> okay, I talked until nine or something. Huh? And then we went home. And then I had a little rest. And then come the telephone and I talk again <laughs> for about one or two hours, or half, oh, one hour at least. And then come out and then all my disciples, the immediate friends, the Americans, they want to be exclusively treated. <laughs> so only Americans were around and I talk only in American language. Oh, that was about, yeah, just for a while, yeah? And then I came and take that meal that I told you. Yes, and that's it. Up to now, I had nothing from that meal until now. And before that, I didn't have meal. Before that meal, I nipped two mouthful of bread. That was before I left Seattle. And I came to last night, had that meal, the only meal up till now. So therefore, I had in 40 or 50 hours, only one, actually one meal, nothing more. And if the communists <laughs> are proud of their teaching, they should be more proud of the action. And they should give me a best medal. <laughs> Actually, I'm too proud of myself. It's my ego at work, you see. Don't worry. <laughs> I, I will put it aside later. <laughs> so, the problem is not to change anything of this world, but to change ourselves, you see. I would have complained before, without enlightenment, I would have complained. I would have loved to have my beautiful house, my lovely husband, and my whatever, mine. You understand? And I can't just sacrifice like that. But by the way, doing this, I do not even feel sacrifice. You understand what I mean? Just very natural, very natural, very happy to do it. Of course, I'm tired and I complain sometimes because of some of the unnecessary tiresome questions or demand from people and disciples. And sometimes it agonizes you. You understand what I mean? 
having to, to accompany uh, kindergarten children while you teach in college. Yes. It is very difficult also, but I, I get through. I get through. That is a reasonable complaint, no? Did you? Huh? Yes. <laughs> Therefore, if the people in any poor country or in whatever situation, if they get enlightenment, they would not feel suffering. Some of our disciples are released, relieved from even the most dangerous sickness after initiation or after they practice for a while. Yes, it depends on also their sincerity and karma. And some of them have to undergo sometimes this retribution, but they go with smile on their face. Yesterday, while I was in Seattle, even one of the women told me she had to undergo operation, but then she has prepared her, herself already to go to play in heaven while the body is undergoing operation. She told me, ah, fine, I, I know already, I will go and let the doctor inject me, and then meanwhile I go to Buddha's land have a look around. Yes, that's what she did. And she had no fear whatsoever. Uh, yesterday, some of you have heard it. Uh, any of you from Seattle yesterday? Yes, you have heard this, huh? Yeah, there was a Vietnamese lady. She's about my age, maybe younger. But don't make me feel very old. <laughs> yes, and that's what they do. And sometimes some of our fellow practitioners, their lives are not rich, like you, perhaps, uh, in Taiwan, they drive taxi, okay, the taxi driver. But while driving the taxi, they can see Buddha's land, or heaven, kingdom of God, at the same time. Therefore, their life passes very quickly, and whatever they do, they do it in joy. Therefore, you enjoy the real life and the shadow of the real life, because both will blend together. There's no separation, no rejection of any kind. Uh, when I was in Indonesia or some other country, some people say, Oh, you look beautiful. Do you consider to remarry? Yeah. Ask me, yeah? What do you think? Do I have time for that? <laughs> <laughs> yes, but I said to, I, I said to him, uh, Why do you ask this question? He said, Because he thinks that uh, enlightened people, you know, we not care so much about these things and no love and very dry and all that. I say, no, if you consider, uh, you should propose first. <laughs> you propose and I will put you on the mailing list. <laughs> but then that's the last I hear of him. <laughs> Probably after a close examination of my face and figure and whatever, and my lifestyle, and he thought he better not take adventure. <laughs> so my disciples everywhere are enough to scare, <laughs> to scare the, the, the biggest heroes <laughs> on earth. <laughs> They'll run away, you know. <laughs> uh, when you are at home and you have only one husband and wife, and if uh, the third person comes, you already feel very scary, right? Very frightened that your love will be shared. Uh, <laughs> how much more if they see my disciples? And they hang around 24 hours, they eat, when they eat everything with me, and they, they interfere with all kinds of privacy, except when I'm in the bathroom. 
My door is never be able to lock, <laughs> always coming up and down. My, my room is just like a, how's that, a restaurant. So whoever dare to be my husband should be prepared <laughs> for war. <laughs> ah, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so that's the life it is. You see, whether you have or you don't have, it's a fine. It's very fine with you because you are contented within yourself. You do not reject life, but you do not uh, sink into life deeply, so that you know nothing else except the material existence of life. And that's the beauty of enlightenment. All right, I'm ready for your questions, <laughs> because there will be more talk, by the way. You can ask anything, yeah? And I'm free to answer or not, so don't worry. <laughs> this is very good atmosphere today, huh? Right? Yes, for the first time, and then you can laugh so much. I think we don't charge the lecture with money, but we charge the laughter, because it's very rare. <laughs> so, our first question, Master. Right. In the Bible, Jesus Christ said, I and my Father are one. Yeah. But how can I reach this state? Get enlightenment, yeah? get initiation. That's what we are here for, to help you. Dear Master, I never eat vegetarian. However, when I listen to your video and read magazines, your magazine, I start to eat vegetarian once or twice a month. Wow. Can I meditate? Big if deal. yes, is there any danger? <laughs> Fine, it's already a big improvement, yeah? From 30 days to 28 days. <laughs> oh, yes, you can uh, ask our disciple in the information desk outside to teach you some convenient method, yeah? Which uh, some basic step for, for meditation. And you can get enlightenment also, but different degree. Huh? The price is different. Dear Master, how to live a happy life? Didn't I tell you? <laughs> Trouble with the ears? <laughs> They're laughing at you, see? Never mind. To get enlightenment is a sure way of a happy life, okay? I'm very patient. <laughs> Could you please explain your precept against killing, specifically against abortion? Wow, you get me into trouble. Uh, Thou shalt not kill is the precept of all religious scriptures, not only Christian. It's even in Jainism, Hinduism, and uh, other religion also. If they truly take this, thou shalt not kill in the true sense of the precept. Abortion, of course, should be avoided. And the, the doctor should be very precise in determining what is the special situation that people should uh, undertake this, because maybe sometimes it's dangerous for the mother, yeah, or dangerous for both. So the doctor should be fair in determining that situation. Otherwise, I think we should save life in any 
way we can. Whatever special circumstance with you that you have to answer yourself, conscience, and the doctor has to determine that. Okay? I am not here to condemn anyone because I know life is very hard and very difficult to say which is right and which is wrong because we also are under the sway of karma, of the law of cause and retribution. And therefore, sometimes it's very difficult for a person to go above that, to be saintly and to be decisive, decisive about uh, anything in life. But bear in mind that if we have faith in God and in all our wisdom, and if we are enlightened, no circumstance is difficult, no situation is hard to handle. So I just propose enlightenment and no condemnation for anything. Is it okay to receive initiation with more than one master? <laughs> it's okay, but why is it necessary? For example, if your master has already taught you the light and sound with, within you, and you are satisfied and you're making progress with that path, then you don't have to be initiated by another master who teaches the same method. But nevertheless, if you're not completely satisfied and you would like to have more, I mean, you, you are more convinced in some other master, of course you may do so. Hmm? Jesus ate fish, why do you not? <laughs> you always put fish in Jesus' mouth. <laughs> All right, suppose he eat fish. He is Christ. He can do many other things that you cannot do. Why you look at the piece of fish only and not at his quality and his holiness? As long as, as soon as you become holy as he is and powerful as he is, okay? <laughs> if you're that desperate for meat. <laughs> oh, God. We always compare the things that other people do to suit our taste, but we do not respect their quality and their talent. Yeah? We have to know what we have and other people have. Hmm? And then we can, can say what we can do or not. <laughs> the president, the president, he can stay in the White House. He has a lot of bodyguards, he has power over the whole nation. So something he can do, we cannot. Okay? Right? <laughs> Are pain and illness always a result of present karma? If so, how do we clean it out? Our pain and suffering, is that right? Are pain and illness oh, always yeah, yeah, yeah. a result of yeah, karma? Yeah, yeah. Yes. And if so, how do we clean it out? We clean it out by, I would say, enduring it. <laughs> All right? Because it's already too late now to reverse the, the will of karma. But we could minimize it, we could uh, lubricate it by being enlightened, by meditation on the perfection of the Father every day, through the guidance of a teacher, through initiation. Then we minimize a lot of things. Yeah? 
Do you feel this initiation is important? Why can it not be done on our own? <laughs> the question answers itself. Hmm? If you have done it yourself, then it's not necessary to get an initiation. But if you couldn't have done it, if you have not seen the light of God and the sound of heaven, then initiation is necessary. Besides, there are many steps to heaven that you must know verbally, the instruction, and so many pitfalls that you should avoid. And if you do not know that, uh, it wastes a lot of time and sometimes dangerous. Hmm? Who was your Himalayan master and of what lineage? I think I told about that already in some of the tapes. You go and have a look, okay? Now I am here and you keep asking about my master all the time. I'm jealous. Hmm? <laughs> I'm so beautiful and you don't care about me. <laughs> You can have an old man with wrinkled eyes and cranky in mood and don't talk to no one and don't accept disciple. <laughs> Master, specifically, what is the difference between enlightenment and the power to initiate? And which one did the patriarchs of the Bible have? The power to initiate came first. <laughs> Uh, you will have the power of initiation also if you are appointed by the Master, because the Master will initiate through you. And uh, also you have the power, the true power, the perfect power, not the, the borrowed one, when you became a Master, when you reached the fifth plane of consciousness, then you became Christ or Buddha. Yeah? At that time you can initiate. But enlightenment, is a part of it, part of the power. And you will expand this and get to know more of your greatness, more and more, until you realize your complete self. And that is the time you know God. And that's the time you be able to initiate people. Dear Master, is it right that we have to be at or beyond the second level of spiritual practice to have a samadhi experience? No, no, it's not true. It's just that deeper or shallower samadhi. If you see the light or hear the sound, that means you're already in samadhi. It's just a little bit uh, uh, not very deep. And sometimes you are in very deep samadhi, and you sit there uh, and only aware of the inside, and sometimes aware of both, inside and outside. If initiated, can one practice meditation an hour in the morning, half hour in the middle of the day, and an hour at night? Does one have to meditate two and a half hours a day? No, no, you can separate it. And you can do it on the bus, in the park, on airplane, on a train, etc., to make up for the hours that you need. Please explain the reason for not easing, eating or using eggs, and how do eggs represent life and death? Eggs is a symbol of life and death. <laughs> In it contains life, yeah? And uh, most, many of the uh, black magicians, or white magicians, they use egg to withdraw some of the negative, possessive uh, spirit within some people, yeah? With, with some, within some persons. Therefore, if we eat egg too much, we uh, tend to attract this negative, force toward ourselves, yeah? That's one of the reasons why we should not eat eggs. Hmm? 
Do you have homosexual disciples? Yes. Do I have to report to you <laughs> their private business? I often see that in meditation, it is my mind watching my mind. Can, I, can you wait for a while? Oh, you okay. see, homosexuality, it's just a misconception about their awareness. They misunderstand their body's function. And uh, when they became enlightened, this will be less and less, because they will identify themselves less with the body, but more with the spirit. Therefore, it's nothing wrong with that. Yeah? When the children are very young, they play with plastic models and they cling to their teddy bears. But when they grow up, they will leave them. So do not worry about your misidentity, misidentification with your body or with your mm, birth appearance. It's all right. Just get enlightenment and everything will fix itself in due course. Master, I often see that in meditation it is my mind watching my mind. I lose faith that I can't go beyond this technique. Any advice? Thank you. What kind of technique? Doesn't say. Doesn't just, say? Just, uh, oh, using the technique of mind watching my mind. Oh, of course. It's not the, the very uh, suitable technique for you, perhaps, because we use the mind. So what's the mind? We are still inside the mind. And inside the creation, destroy, destroying and, and nourishing process, we should go beyond the mind. Therefore, in our meditation, we don't use the mind at all. Yeah? And that is the most advanced technique. So maybe try ours, okay? Hmm? What happened to your husband? <laughs> oh! <laughs> Thanks for your concern. <laughs> what I want to ask you, my, my, ask myself, we, we have uh, lost contact uh, for, I think, uh, several years now. When he waited for me six years, all right, and then he remarried after six years. And during the time, we write off and on half a year a letter or one year a letter. And after six years, he got married again with a vegetarian <laughs> doctor, wife, and then he got a son, yeah, and he reported that to me. That was the last I heard of him. If you are interested to know, maybe I go into uh, the, the second level and have a look at his future. <laughs> <laughs> Master, how important is it to see the light 18 inches in front of me? I only see it close to my forehead. Thank you. It's fine. It's a good beginning. Don't worry. It will go. Huh? It, it will grow further. I don't know if it's my business to understand, but I like to find out about Buddha's message when he came from India and sat facing the wall for nine years. Oh, the patriarch, the Bodhidharma, facing the wall for nine years because he had nothing else to do. <laughs> If it hasn't been for you, I would probably sit and face in the ceiling for 19 years. <laughs> it's equal. 
to an enlightened master. You see, if they have things to do, they will do it wholeheartedly. If they have nothing to do, they just do what they want to do. Yeah, that's it. And if you love the war so much, why not? <laughs> Of course, I make a joke about it, but you see, to elaborate it further, you should understand that an enlightened person is a very uh, contented within him or herself and do not desire to do anything when it's not necessary. For example, if uh, I don't come to you or if I don't lecture or if nobody requires me to come out to see them or talk to them, I'm always in my room. Yeah, of course, sometimes I like to take a walk in the garden or in the forest whenever it's there. If not, I stay in my room. I do nothing, I'm just happy. Yeah, I may read books or not read books, I may meditate or not meditate, I may sleep or I may feel awake, I may eat something or not eat something, I'm, I'm fine within the walls, you see. That's the problem with the prisoners, because they're not enlightened. Therefore, the few walls separated them. If they are enlightened, they sit pretty well in there and they never probably want to leave prison at all. Yes, it is because we are very contented within ourselves. You see, therefore, the patriarch, he sat there and he felt good. Yeah? At that time, probably there's no lecture hall for him and not many people understood him. Therefore, they just sit there and enjoy himself. He could have done other things, but it wasn't, it wasn't necessary. At that time, there was a story about Zen master and his disciple. I'm not afraid to lose your time. Is okay to tell? Yeah. Mm, okay. One must, one uh, disciple, Zen, Zen disciple, yeah, very enlightened perhaps, came to see his master uh, after some time, and asked his master, and his master asked him, Ah, oh, well, 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 what did you do all these months? Yeah, you have a summer vacation now. What did you do? He said, oh, in my backyard there is a big piece of uh, land. I cultivated it and planted some vegetable, and it tastes so good, it looks good. Yeah, and I feel very good about it. So the master praised him and said, oh, well, well, you did not waste your time, huh? You know how you use your time, it's very good, yes. And so the disciple uh, asked the master, then what did you do during this time that I am not here? What did you do? And the master is, uh, say, Oh, in the daytime I eat and read books, in the nighttime I sleep. Mm. <laughs> so the master also nodded his head and said, Oh, well, well, master, you also know how to use your time. You didn't waste your time. You're <laughs> very useful. <laughs> you understand? Yes, it's very comfortable. Huh? Uh, it takes an enlightened mind to understand an enlightened mind. So that's what it is with the enlightened people. If they have work to do, they do it. If they don't, they don't miss anything. So whenever we are on tour, we were always sometimes in a kind of uh, different kind, in a kind of a very uh, famous places, you know, like when we were in Mexico, we were next to the pyramids, yeah? And uh, of course people would like to go there. It's about one hour from our place, actually. And my room is in the middle of the city with all the noises and all the narrowness of everything. But still, I, long, I don't long to go to pyramids, so we never did go, even though I stay there six days and lecture only or five days, or lecture only one day. But I see people every day, of course. But I have no longing to go to see pyramids or anything else. I stay always 
every day, every minute of the day in my room. And so, actually, I told you again and again, enlightenment is the only way for the cure of everything in this world. Otherwise, if anyone else, you put them in the room like that, yeah, and don't let them go to see pyramids and things, they'll be unhappy. But we are not. I and my disciples, the, the immediate crew, you know, nobody wanted to go to pyramids. I asked them, if you want to go, you're free to go. Don't have to wait for me or ask my permission. But nobody wanted to go. They're just happy to serve. They sleep when they have time, and when they wake up, they go and prepare for the lecture, equipment and all that. No one longed to, to go sightseeing or nothing. It is because we are very contented within ourselves. Therefore, the, night, the, the first patriarch, Bodhidharma, the Buddhist who came from, to China and faced the war nine, nine years, it is the same situation. Hmm? During meditation, um, do we need to keep ourselves awake so that I know that I am meditating? If I fall into a state of not wholly being awake, or I fall asleep, is there any good in my meditation at all? Yes, it's a good sleep. <laughs> I've been on a vegetarian diet for three months, but I can't cross my legs because there's a problem with my legs. So am I qualified for initiation? And can you comment on posture in meditating? Then don't cross your legs, for God's sake. Do what you want with your legs. I don't want your legs, I just want your enlightenment. <laughs> okay, then I don't cross my legs, fine. After initiation, uh, if Master is not with us, if I have any problems with my meditation, what should I do? The Master is always with you. Hmm? Master is not the body, we are wisdom. We are connected with the whole universe. And the Master, who is worth his name, is omnipresent. So whenever you're in trouble, the Master knows. And the Master is always helping you to progress. Whether you see the Master or not, it depends on your power of samadhi. Otherwise, the Master is 24 hours awake and taking care of you. So don't worry, okay? Master, you are very beautiful and have much to offer. I am glad to be here. My question has to do with the ego. What are we to do with it, if anything, and why does it exist? I see. The ego doesn't exist, actually. The ego comes from the information that we collect yeah, during our time and during our interrelationship with others or with uh, all things around us. Yes, for example, when you were born, you have no ego. But when you grow up, and then you know yourself to be beautiful or handsome, like, like me, yes, <laughs> then the ego begins to grow, yeah? And everybody praises you, wow, you're beautiful. And then you had a PhD, you grow more in pride. And that is the ego, yeah? But uh, don't worry about it. It's just a good uh, accessory sometimes. And you can throw it away anytime you don't need. But you have to have enlightenment first in order to know when to wear it and when to put it down. Okay? What time
kind of light and sound can I hear when I reach the fifth level? I mean, what symbol let me know will let me know if I come to the fifth level of meditation? That I tell you at the time of initiation. Because I cannot just tell you like that at random. I don't know what kind of meditation you do. If you want to elaborate further, maybe it's better. Hmm? The fifth level is meant for the initiated people only, not for other disciples. They couldn't even reach the first. Dear Master, I'm married, but I sometimes have dreams of being with other beautiful girls. How do I prevent these dreams? Am I creating heavy karma? Please tell me. It's all right, just enjoy your dreams, okay? <laughs> just don't do it in the, life, in the reality, otherwise your wife will not uh, let you enjoy it, yeah? And keep it a secret. <laughs> what can we do with dreams, right? Forgive yourself, it's okay. When does the soul enter the body? Is it before our birth or after our birth? How can it happen? Uh, if we are born as a twin? No, because you like to stick together, I guess. Huh? That you have affinity with each other. Hmm? And you want to go out at the same time. <laughs> to have companion. <laughs> no problem about twin, yeah? We are twin ourselves. We have both feminine and masculine aspect inside. And we, if we reunite that, we are happy, yeah? And forget about the physical aspect. Dear Master, please let us know more about energy, the relation between energy and peace and love. The only thing we know from science is that energy cannot destroy or create, mm. and energy could be transformed from one kind to another kind. Some say God is energy, God is love. What do you think? I think these are only sayings. <laughs> Before you experience that, all sayings are empty. I do not like to be a living dictionary, <laughs> but an example of the true energy. When you are enlightened, you understand this energy and all the metaphysical questions. Energy have many kinds, uh, negative and positive. When we are enlightened, we balance both and make use of them for the purpose in life and in, uh, in the right time, the right situation. I told you already, if we are enlightened, the world will be at peace. No need to change anything. Of course, that is peaceful energy that we radiate after enlightenment. How to affect our beloved, such as husband or wife, to be a more moral person? Is there a special method to help them? Yes, enlightenment. <laughs> enlightenment helps you to be sharper in all feelings, yeah? And you'll be a better wife, be a better husband even. Many of our initiates claim that their married life became much better after both of them practiced God's presence, yeah, of the light and the sound. 
Before that, they're just having a kind of very lukewarm relationship or cold to ice cubes. <laughs> and after enlightenment, they know how to care for each other and they feel more toward each other. Dear Master, I've had a lot of nightmares in childhood. Now the nightmares are gone, but I still dream frequently every night. Please tell me why and are these dreams involved with my karma? Maybe you had a very rough life before. Hmm? You live in truly nightmarish life. Therefore, uh, the influence still linger up to now. Uh, well, it sounds like advertising manager, but <laughs> enlightenment is also for everything. Yeah? If you want to live a fearless life, a dreamless life, then, of course, enlightenment is the answer. Master, was Hermes, Zoroaster, the Essenes, the Gnostics, masters? And who were the first masters, and who is the Great White Brotherhood? All masters, all true masters are one. They came from one source. And uh, the highest master is the Supreme Master, the Almighty. Yeah, which is in all of you. When we first came here, we were master before. And when we came here, we, we blessed the world and we forgot all about our power and our glory. And our energy were also exhausted because we pay attention to outer phenomena. So all the masters who came here are the one who is awakened in this awareness and know their true glory, and they can travel the road home frequently, and they can lead us back home. So no need to uh, discriminate between any master. All the religions are founded after the master has gone. Therefore, we have Christ, a Christian after Christ, Buddhist after Buddha, etc. Okay? Enlightenment always seems so lofty. In what ways will I be different after enlightenment? How will I know it, just in black and white? Oh, you know it, you know it, definitely. You know it just like you walk inside the door and when you were outside the door. It's very definite and very beneficial to your daily life. You know it, very definitely. Just like an educated person and an uneducated person, there is a great difference. Is it true that to become fully realized, one must practice the highest yoga, tantra, and the secret mantra? And did Buddha perform this before full realization? I didn't see anything like that in the scripture. I only see that he sat under the Bodhi tree for 40 days or more, and he saw the stars at the time of realization. So if you want to have this same realization as Buddha, you can have it right now. Hmm? And about Tantra and Tantrum, I do not know. <laughs> I did not see anything in the Buddhist scripture referring to the Buddha practiced Tantra before his enlightenment. I only know that he saw the stars and he saw the light. So if you want that kind, we have it, okay? 
There is a vow to refrain from intoxicants. What about chemicals on fruits and vegetables? Oh, my God. You're a fanatic. <laughs> Wash them with the salty water yeah, and eat them. Otherwise, you die. Hmm? Yes. Since I started the vegetarian diet, my son, who is seven years old, asked, is it another no meat day? I realized my son was born with great nature of not eating meat, but due to my ill concept, I started his meat-eating habit. How can I restore his greatness and reduce my guilt? Mm. Then take time. Hmm? <laughs> you have taken much time and effort to force your son into meat, and now you have to take the same amount of effort and time <laughs> to reverse. <laughs> who is the mother of the planets? Who is the father of the planets? You know the answer. Hmm? Dear Master, please explain what kind of karma is it when there were dictators like Hitler, Lenin, Ho Chi Minh, who caused the wars that killed millions of people and made millions of others suffer. This is a collective karma of mankind, which, uh, as I told you, are byproducts of uh, the interrelationship between human and other beings in this world or other world. And that kind of uh, byproduct became a kind of very forceful, strong energy hang around our Earth's atmosphere. And when it's too condensed, then it has to manifest into some kind of visible form, such as a very uh, grave uh, dictator who kills millions, etc., as you have asked. So therefore, these people are not to be blamed also, in a sense but ourselves are to be blamed. If each one of us lead a life of virtues, virtue, keep the commandments and refrain from killing of any kind, including the uh, indirect killing, so keeping the vegetarian diet, and the world will have never uh, breed, bred this kind of dictators in the first place. These are there. Hmm? I talk too long. Huh? <laughs> These are there to remind us of the virtuous way. And if we are not awakened yet, then these things will continue to remind us until the whole mankind is awakened. Hmm. What is anger? Why does it boil inside of us? And how do we release this anger? Sometimes it helps yeah, to release it outwardly. Sometimes we, uh, between husband and wife, or men, or, or parents and children, there exists some kind of tension. And uh, after you have cleared it together, you clear the air. It's also helpful. Whatever comes naturally, just let it be. If you cannot control it, or try to, you cannot control completely about it, and just uh, try not to bear hatred in it. 
Just express you what you feel, express it in a, as best manner as you can. Hmm? Because sometimes anger, when swallowed too much of the time, will make, uh, will breed disease within the body. So the best is that first we have the virtues of God, and then all the passions, many like anger, greed, attachment, will subside by and by. Yeah? You said only human beings can become a Buddha. I want to know if a disciple passes away and he's on the fourth level, does he need to come back to this world to be a human being and after that to study until he becomes a Buddha? No, no, he doesn't have to. He studies from there. The Master will continue to teach the disciples and never leave the disciples until the disciple completely realize himself. Hmm? You said you denounce immorality. What is meant by sexual misconduct? Is lust wrong? Is what? Is, is lust, lust wrong? Misconduct means wrong, no? I do not denounce anything. I just propagate correct way of life and you're free to follow it. Okay? I do not denounce anything. If you uh, feel that it's a denou denouncement, it's not true. Just that you go into the wrong direction, now you should go back to the right one if you want to arrive at your destiny, which is the kingdom of God. Too much sexual abuse and indulgence tired your body, exhausted your mental power which should be uh, conserved for the greatest enlightenment. And to help yourself and to help mankind is more noble that way. That is all, yeah? Sexual misconduct means you have too many girlfriends, <laughs> too many boyfriends, too many husbands and wives. It exhausts your storehouse of energy, okay? How do you suggest that a person go about attaining enlightenment when that person lives in extreme and almost constant pain? There are many uh, drugs that help you with pain these days. You do not have to endure that. Hmm? Medicine you can take in order to prevent the pain and then when you are calm and peaceful, then you can meditate. Please let us know if the God, the comforter that God sent, the Spirit of Truth, is only one comforter or a few comforters. If there is a few, please let us know how many. <laughs> you want to shop, huh? Shopping for enlightenment. Huh? One is enough for you right now. Okay? Because even if there are a few, who knows if they will come to you and when, and whether you are, you are still alive when the other comforters come. Understand? Okay. Oh, Master, I have a hard time meditating because my head hurts when I start to meditate. Please tell me how to stop the headache. Maybe you uh, 
you try too much. You should not have any effort, yeah? But uh, I don't know what kind of method you study, so it's difficult to tell you. But whatever you do, relax, yeah? Just do it just like you are mowing the lawn or eating the breakfast. No need to put strain on your brain for concentration. In our method, we do it without effort. We just sit there and the light will come. Therefore, uh, it is better. What does it mean when some people are absent-minded, when someone talks to them and they just don't react or they instantly forget what you just said? Is it because they're too mental and they use their mind too much? <laughs> How do I know? You ask them. Hmm? <laughs> Dear Master, when you die, where does your soul go and what happens to your energy and karma? Me or anyone? I don't know. I mean you in general or I mean me personally? It, it says when you die. <laughs> you die. When you die. I will tell you after I die. Okay? It's too early. I mean I'm too very young. Huh. If after being initiated I still make a mistake like eating meat or having an evil thought, does it mean that I'll be disconnected with God or suffer some bad punishment? Evil thoughts, you might not be able to control it immediately after enlightenment because just like the car brake, you see, when the car runs uh, 60 miles an hour and if you want to make it to brake it, it's slowly, yeah? So it probably takes us some time to be able to purify completely yourself. But the meat, you can avoid it, yeah? Except when you don't know it and you eat it uh, by mistake, then it's fine. But you have to meditate more on that day to clean that because that's a very heavy karma. That's what makes people ill, what makes uh, our body suffers, and what makes we go to hell afterward to repay for the suffering of other beings. Dear Master, I sincerely thank you for the lecture today. I wish you to take care of your health so that you can continue to give lectures for the rest of the world and save people who have sincerity to find the way back to God's home. Thank you again. Please take care of yourself. Thank you. God takes care of me. <laughs> you take care of me because you have love for me. You have good thought for me. You have loving wish for me. Therefore, you take care of me. I can't take care of myself. I just flow with the water wherever there's demand. I just have to fulfill it. Therefore, I have no time or actually no very fixed schedule to say that I could take care of myself. <laughs> Never mind, I'm okay. <laughs> I worked hard and I'm all right. Yes. This question is about discipline. I find that I am very devoted to trying new techniques for a period of time. When I do not see results, or when I get too busy or too tired, or when I just give up, I don't stay with the discipline. How can I push through my weakness and continue with daily routine and mastery? Uh, of course, if you have a method and it doesn't work very well, 
And also, maybe you do not follow the practice regularly and diligently and sincerely, then you will lose your faith. Yeah? So try to do what is uh, instructed, and then your faith will grow more with the result. Of course, if you don't have results, you don't have faith. And the less faith you have, the less result. <laughs> so you'll be in the circle. Master, sometimes during meditation with the convenience method, sometimes I feel a chill from my spine going up to my head, and then there seems to be a feeling of energy encircling my head. What does this mean? Is this a bad or good sign? It's okay. It's okay. It's your kundalini at work. Hmm? Afterward, you'll be used to it. It's only a convenient method, and still it works out so much because of the Master Power bless you. Other people, they practiced many years to try to awaken the Kundalini, and they couldn't have it. Did Jacob receive bad karma for tricking Isaac into giving him the blessing? Did Benjamin receive bad karma for tricking his brothers into bringing his father to Egypt? Are we talking about the Bible? Yeah, the Old Testament. Oh. What do we know about these people? Why do we care? Hmm? They're all gone. <laughs> yes, I think we have enough work to do with our own. <laughs> okay. That's it? I'm relieved? That's the last question, yes. Oh, fine. <laughs> so now we'll be... Um, leaving the hall, have a light vegetarian lunch. If you're interested in taking the meditation, I mean <laughs> initiation, you'll receive um, a paper that you should read and contemplate, and then go to the registration table outside the hall. Um, and then after, we, after we've eaten, only those who wish initiation will, will come back into the hall. So thank you very much. Thank you for your attention. Thank you.